Welcome to the Armchair Critics Podcast, where the underqualified experts who discuss all things sport, work and life, with little to no background or supporting evidence. I'd say our background's improved a little bit with one of us getting married. Our background? Yeah. What do you mean? Background evidence into life, now you're a married man. Oh, I don't don't know that my life experiences have changed a whole lot. Bro. I haven't learnt much, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Got married. Hmm. Interesting. How have you been? Mate, I've been pretty good. I can't complain, mate. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. Hey, it's been a while. How was your, uh, how was your trip down to Meldorn? Bro, cold. Yeah? <laughs> I knew it was going to be cold because Sarah said it's going to be fucking cold. Yeah. But it topped out at 13 degrees when I was there. <laughs> and as a proud Namborian. That's worse than Hobart when we were down there. Hobart topped out at 20 on the last day we were there. Oh, that would have been nice. It was, I was walking around in shirt and pants and shoes and the, the sunlight just kisses you. And just warms you up. It's just delightful. We have spoke about in this podcast before about how fridge is the king of underdressing for the cold. Yeah. He was in full swing as well. Yeah, nice. Shirt, shorts and thongs. There was a morning we went to get breakfast and he was in a jumper, short, like short-ish shorts, ankle socks, got his freshly shaved pins out and shoes. Yeah, nice. We were walking down a very windy road and I'm looking at him double laid up in jeans. Like, I suppose it's one of those things you just get used to. Eh? Like We were walking around... I reckon on the he's not used to it. He's just stubborn. On the Wednesday, and like we were wearing like sweater, long sleeve shirt, pants, and shoes, and there were plenty of people walking around. Actually, the tour guide dude that was driving the bus, he was in shorts, shirt, and a vest. He's just trying to show how hard he is, though. Yeah, that's fair. He, he was a Richmond local, a bloke. It's a weird place. So now Melbourne was good. There's some pretty cool bars down there. Um, there's a Melbourne, there's a bar in Paran called uh, Boston Sub. That's all I'm going to tell you. One of those cool ones you see on those Instagram videos and whatnot. It's hidden. Oh, it's hidden. Go find it. Oh, cool. Cool. They got nice people in there? They actually do. Yeah. yeah cool. Bro, I had a, a cocktail called the Shroomy. And so, and like... Was that the end of your night? Nah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it had like really thick contact, like, like uh, texture. And I thought like it might come out like a whiskey sour... Nope. Came out like an espresso. Yeah, right. And it fucked with my Brian. My bro. Your Brian. My Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, shit. let's let's not talk about me. Because I'll talk about myself all day. Let's talk about you. What is that to talk about with me? No, nothing. Let's go nah. talk about cricket. Correct. All right. Uh, so I'm to make you start... uncomfortable for a bit. Yeah, perfect. And I was. You've succeeded. Um, so we we'll, might start. So the South African T20 League... Their auction kicked off last night. Um, so I don't know that there's any Australians in that, given it runs at the same time as the Big Bash. Um, Chris Lynn? No. No, Chris Lynn's in the, the Abu Dhabi, Dubai. So there's three going on at once. Yeah. That's dumb. It is. So um, there's a few of the South African boys. Surely. Um, Tristan you, Stubbs, one sh- of the young fellas, went sh- for some big money. Surely if you're that close to the equator, like UAE, you just do it in the off-season. You'd think. Well, that's what the IPL is, though. Yeah, oh, okay. But anyway, so Tristan Stubbs went for big money. Uh, Marco Janssen went for, I think, the most money out of anyone. Good. Um, and ironically, Temba Bavuma, who is South Africa's T20 international captain, went undrafted. That is so South Africa <laughs> racist. Got, got passed up at auction, which is just rogue, really. So, and, and I mean, I don't really rate him that highly anyway, but you'd think <laughs> in a domestic tournament, as a local product, he'd be one of the first guys locked up. It's so. racist. It's hundred percent racially motivated. If we oh went, look, well, Ngidi got picked up. 
Yeah, but I feel like they're making a point that because he's captain, yeah. He's not, anyway, he's not I, a pasty prince. We might not touch on that for too long. Um, but yeah, Tristan Stubbs and a few of the young fellows, so Stubbs, um, Devolt Brevis and uh, Marco Jansen, who I think really are the future of South African cricket, Jets. both picking, getting picked up for big money, which is great to see. Great for them. I think it'll be good for South African cricket too in the long run. Yeah. Um, just a shame that it kind of diminishes Australia's product that we're trying so hard not to make completely shit. Um, anyway, so Australia start they commence a T20 uh, series against India tonight in Mahali. Um, it's been six years or eight years or something since we played India in Mahali in a T20. Um, but exciting, Tim David is, well, I'm nearly certain, will make his debut tonight for Australia. I heard that. Um, he'll become... I reckon the first player for Australia since maybe Dirk Nannis to play for two different countries. So he's already represented Singapore in international cricket um, and will now be obviously representing Australia. And Did I, Luca Ronke play for us? Yes. But he was before Nannis? No, you're probably right. He probably was after Nannis, I would say. Was, he certainly was still playing international cricket um, later than Dirk Nannis. So yeah. that's a good call. Good call from you there. That is not something I expected from you, if I'm being perfectly honest. You've pulled that out, yo ass. Um, so, and anyway, and, um, which would be great. I do think he'll play a role for Australia um, in the upcoming T20 World Cup, especially in Australia. It's been very successful the last, uh, probably particularly the last 18 months. Um, so great to see. Um, and Steve Smith looks like he will bat at three with Mitch Marsh being uh, being rested for the series. So there's a couple of guys, Stark, uh, Stoinis, and Mitch Marsh all being rested, um, not with injuries, but kind of managing their workload coming into the T20 World Cup. So, um, yeah, slightly uh, weaker Australia team, um, but some opportunities for some, for some different guys to prove themselves. I believe Nathan Ellis... Uh, and Sean Abbott have both been taken over to this series in India. Nathan Ellis, our favourite bowler. Our, our favourite first-class cricketer. So um, hopefully they both get a run, um, build a bit of squad depth and um, and should go right. So uh, I reckon we will get pantsed over there. That is my take. Um, also yeah. interesting, I think, that given we're only a month out from the World Cup, that we wouldn't have played a three-game series here in Australia. For everyone's sake, like, why would India not want to have the series in Australia to warm up for the it World Cup? It has to be money motivation. Yeah, but that's sure, about it. Yeah, but like, there's, I mean, there's prize money, and not to mention the fact that India love winning trophies. <laughs> Do they? And they probably haven't won enough of them in the last kind of ten or fifteen years, given how you know how good they've been. They've they should had, be wanting to win the had trophies. Some absolutely ridiculous squad, they, and not won. They've won. They won the world, the ODI World Cup in 2011. That's it. They should have competed in 2015 and didn't, and they should have competed in 2019 and didn't. So I don't know. I'm surprised that they wouldn't have wanted to play it here. Um, but you're right. It would have just been whatever India wanted goes, and they've obviously wanted a home series. So good on them. Uh, and we also had a um, uh, listener of the show, uh, Jack Baird, pup, um, tagged or tagged me on Facebook. Um, and ask us to try and name our or which Australian or which players play each particular shot best. Let's go international. Now, oh, well, I've narrowed it down to Australians because it's too hard to go international, I yeah. think. Um, I'm happy to... I'll go Australian and then you try and pick an international, broaden the horizons a little bit, and sure. we'll see. Okay. Pull shot? Brian Lara. Ricky Ponting. 
I've just I'm sticking international. Mm, okay, I'm pa- I'm taking Ricky Ponting. Cover drive. Sashin. Mike Hussey. Yes. And it's not close. Yes. I'm just going to try and pick an international <laughs> regardless. Uh, sweep shot. You go. I didn't really... Uh, Matt Hayden, I've got only because of that series in India. And that is all I was going off. Yeah. There'll be better sweepers than I don't that. even think he's the best sweeper. I think the best sweeper for us is maybe now Uzi. That's fair. Yep. I'm I'd not thought of Uzi, but that's a good shout. And I'm going to use Uzi with my international one as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flick off the pads. Oh, there's so many options. Here you go. Mark War. Virat. Virat, yeah. like, through mid-wicket is incredible. Yeah, I had uh, Mark War or Damien Martin. KP. Both, both play very similar. Yeah. I KP was... popped in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll one for you. For defence. Rahul Dravid. You're kidding. Trent Bolt. No, Rahul <laughs> Dravid. Um, not even Australian. You've just got to go Rahul Dravid. He faced more balls in international cricket than anyone else Cut ever. Shot. David O'Donnell. He won't even listen. He won't understand. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think a straight drive is David Warner all day. No. Or Shane Watson. Shane Watson, I reckon. Yeah. What about a motor cow? Motor cow. Buff Lehman. Nah, Pete. Adam Gilchrist, hands down, bro. Bro, Buff Lehman with his guns hanging out over his box in, Ooh, in actually, red, red back colours. Mitchell Stark. He does a, not he, mind it. He has a great mo to cow. Outstanding. Mitchell Johnson actually also <laughs> had a very good mo over the league side. All right, so who's the best looking Australian cricketer of all time? As in? Facial features. <laughs> who's, uh, who's the bloat, the best, the best looking of all time? And you can choose any age for him as well. Oh, that's tough. And then I've got a lead-up question that I used to argue with Potter about. Because my answer is still our current captain, Patrick, Pat Cummins. He's a beautiful man. That's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. I don't... Oh, yeah, no, I don't know that you really beat it, to be honest. It's hard. Yeah. He's got those big baby blues. It's the blues that do it, I reckon. You can get lost in any eyes. doesn't matter what gender. Yeah, <laughs> just flash the eyes up on the screen. You get hey, lost in them. If you're getting the eyes, bloke or man yeah. or female, yeah, even yeah. if it's like friendly fire, the baby blues get the uh, you still get, get lost. It done. They so get it done. Me and Potter used to argue, who would you rather, Cameron Green or Pat Cummins? And he was firmly on the Cameron Green train, and I'm firm in the Pat Cummins camp. Is he still firm in that, or is he he's still, swinging? He's still rock hard in the Cam Green champ. Nah, I don't see it. He's just tall. It's the blonde hair, blue eyes. I think Potter's secretly a bit of a Hitler man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nah, it's Pat Cummins all day, every day. Um, Now, with Aaron Finch retiring, there's been a bit of of talk this week, obviously, naturally, about who Australia's next one-day captain are going to be. You know who I haven't seen mentioned once? Glenn Maxwell. Glenn Maxwell. Mm. I think that's rude. I think that's rude. I think it's rude. I think we, I think we should be heard more. Yeah, and I think uh, there's plenty of people that seem to think it's going to be Pat Cummins. No, he's despite he, the fact that Pat Cummins said pretty much it. says he kind of doesn't think he can commit to it. So um, a lot of people calling for Steve Smith. I've a new answer. David Warner. I've a new answer. Do ya? I'm sick of watching Alex Carey play for Australia. So Jimmy Pearson? Fuck him off and get Jimmy Pearson in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't, I really can't see that happening. But uh, especially after the series Alex Carey just had. 
who cares? Scored he some, can't keep. Scored some really important He can bat five. He can open and take Finch's spot. Piss him off. I actually don't hate that. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no, I think Glenn Maxwell's hard done by just not even being in the conversation. I, I think he firmly deserves to be in the kind of final two or three candidates. I really think he'd do a really good job. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I don't know that it's a no-brainer because I, I, you still do want him to be like super free-flowing. So who? Captains? And you probably do lose some of that as captain when Finch is away from Vic. Who captains? In the well, it's not stuff. so much, but like in the past when Finch has been absent with injury, Carey was captaining over in the West Indies. <sighs> but that was pre Steve Smith being allowed to captain the Test matches again. So maybe it's changed. Maybe they've changed their tune. Maybe they'll just want Steve Smith to do it. Especially given if this happened two years ago, different story. No chance. Because I don't think there would have been people that didn't even see Steve Smith in our best limited overs team. And in the 50 over stuff, anyone who doesn't think Steve Smith belongs in our best one day side doesn't know the first thing about cricket. He firmly deserves to be there. He's nearly, nearly first picked. So... I think he would also be a good candidate. Maybe a longer-term candidate than Glenn Maxwell, potentially. I, I sort of see the ODI stuff now as a breeding ground for either format. So, if you've got a good, like, Hazelwood coming through, you blood him in there earlier. Kind of like what Sean Abbott's doing now. But And then you've got your Tim Davids who might zig to the T20 stuff. But if you've got, like, a future leader, you put him there first and see how they go. So, I, I just... I feel like Steve Smith would be a little bit of a waste of time. Wouldn't mind like a younger leader going through. And if Mac, and even if it's just using Maxwell for a year and a half and then picking like a 25-year-old or a 26-year-old who's going to be around for the next 10 years. Yeah. And getting them ready. Yeah. I just don't know that... Uh, like who in, the, in that, that kind of space in say two years' time could you see being ready for a leadership role though would be my only thing. Like, I don't... There's not really that many guys coming to... I mean, Alex Carey is the obvious one, but even he's, he's 31. 30, he's 31, 32. So he's not that young. Could you try a Cameron Green? Look, maybe. What about a Will Pukowski if he stays injury-free? I don't know that you can rely on him for that kind of thing. I think you've got, he's played... Everyone's got to remember, he's played one international game. Yeah. It feels like he's been around forever, but he's played one test match for Australia, and he couldn't even get through that. Mm. He dislocated his shoulder in the, um, in the, in the field. So, I don't know. I, I think it's it'd be too risky for for someone like that. Um, I, I I don't. It's so hard to say because I mean Australia's limited overs stuff. It's been fairly set. Travis Head would be one. Yep. That if he could nail his spot in the one day side, then I could see him. He captaining. could come and open. Yep. And that may be an option. I I actually on the body I even said I thought he was a bit hard done by not being in the squad. For this one day, for the one day series, just gone because I thought he did a good job over in Pakistan. And yeah, he's I, done a good job in the past. He's, he has a one day international hundred opening for Australia. My only issue with him captaining is the, is the pre and post game interviews and how much spit's going to be on the TV. Yeah, that's fair from Travis. Travis, but um, no, that's all I really got for cricket. Um, uh, you got anything else to add? Please. When yeah, do I sh- ever have anything to add about cricket? Shock me. Righto. Uh, overrated, underrated is back. Sean, you want to kick us off, brother? Yeah, bro. We're just deep bowls, deep food out of. Oh, underrated. Massively underrated. And you don't understand until you don't have them for a while. 
Because then you can't scoop the scoop. Yeah. No, deep bowls are the way it's at. It is the way it's at. But like, it's not where just, it's at. And not just like a deep bowl, like a small one that you put like soy sauce nah, in. Nah, like a I'm salad talk- bowl. I'm talking the deep salad bowl. Yeah. And they are yeah. perfect for everything. You can yeah. even eat a steak out of it. So, when we've always had deep bowls at home. So, we've always struggled going away to like sports carnivals and stuff where you've got to eat out of the bowls that are only like oh, five centimeters high. It's like, dude, how am I meant to eat my wheat bix out of this? How do I I'm do used it? To, I'm used to putting like four or five wheat bix in a bowl and drowning the fuckers in milk. Yeah. How am I supposed to do that? You can put four drops of milk and it's already overflowing and you can't get the proper scoopage up the side of the bowl. No, and you almost have to use a fork and then drink the milk at the end. Yeah, exactly. So, no, no go. Um, massively deep underrated. bowls, massively underrated. Uh, all right, and following on from that, eating with a spoon, dude, makes food better. It is underrated. I would eat. I hate that we agree on so much stuff. It is so underrated, and people uh, take the piss out of me all the time because I eat so much stuff like fried rice. I had I had nachos at home tonight. It's like spoon. corn chips, bean like beans, whatever. Spoon, spoon. Okay, I eat fucking. There's some nights, some days I eat pasta. Like if it's not spaghetti, I'll eat pasta spoon. with a spoon. Not a, no splatters and sporks. Yeah, Suck. no, just a spoon. Massively overrated. And people look and Sam, he's the biggest one. He goes, "Oh, you're just doing that so that you can eat it faster because you can't shovel with a fork." <laughs> like, Shut up, cunt. <laughs> you know what? You know what Sam said to me on the weekend. So we just come off after playing cricket. And for anyone who doesn't follow us in the cricket, I got a diamond on the weekend. What's that? A diamond. So I got run out. So I got out without facing a ball. So I walked out to the middle, watched the guy at the other end face two balls, got run out, and then had to walk off oh, without yeah. facing a ball. It was lovely. It's a anyway, cool club to be involved. It in is a cool club to be in. So I've been welcomed by many. Um, anyway, and after the game, we'd had a couple of beers, and I stood up and gone, oh, "I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get some food." And Sam turns around and goes, "You don't look it." I, was, I turned around I literally nearly broke my neck Swinging my neck around And said You prick He's the fattest brother Oh fucking hell So anyway That was pretty funny um, But yeah Eating with a spoon Massively massively I reckon I could eat a steak With a spoon and knife Yeah no. that's, just, that's probably as far as I'd go with it Yeah Ely apart. I mean I know there's some stuff That you can't eat a spoon with right? Like if you're trying to eat a salad Or spaghetti Or something like that It's, it's a fork all the way But There's but so can, many things You can eat, a, eat with a spoon Fried rice is elite with a spoon. Chopsticks. Nah, spoon. Anyway. What do you got? Next one. Playing buffalo at public venues. Absolutely overrated. Slightly underrated. At public venues? Yeah, bro. Nah, mate. You that's get, nah, that's you shit get, house. You get people with cocktails... You get people with jugs. That's a great way to ruin someone's night. Well, I tried to ruin Fridge's night on the weekend. Yeah, how'd that go? Really good. The ne- I ruined his Sunday instead. Oh, perfect. So we're doing what Sam and I used to do with the... Uh, um, so whoever's shouted is, whoever's around, like, turn, it's their choice. So I started a four... I had a four... Let's uh, call it a four-leg spread. First one, I was like, I was like, I'm sick of him. I'm sick of drinking vodka lemonades. He looks fine. I'm going to fuck him up. I'm going to get him. First drink, old-fashioned with triple bitters. Ugh. So old-fashioned is like whiskey stirred with ice and like and pretty much just bitters. I, and, and like and a, a twist of lemon or something. Twist, in and it. an orange, and like like orange zest or orange something. Orange zest yeah. and an orange twist. So it's nice and bitter for him. And then that didn't do the trick. So I went up and got a tequila solo. <laughs> oh, bruh. 
And then us the message our group chat and said, All right boys, get creative. So then we had fireball, apple juice and bitters, which was actually tasty, which annoyed me. So then I was like, Fuck him, I'm getting a tequila apple juice to finish him off. <laughs> and it did obviously. Bro, it's like spewing a carp. Oh, tequila's just no good. But when you buffalo them, all goods. <laughs> so I can slightly underrated. It does depend on the venue. At the pub, absolutely. At like you know, a rougey, like Manhattan bar. No, nah, I'm saying not. overrated. It's strictly a home or a, like a cricket club thing. At a sports venue, absolutely. Pub, nah. Public venue, not so much. Uh, right, my second one, Latrell Mitchell. Massively underrated and heavily scrutinised. Trail milk, bruh. That's funny as fuck. Have you seen that thing he's doing? So after the Roosters so, Yeah like Trollyant Stadium Yeah No no After the The Roosters Rabbitohs game He got He got sprayed Online For um, milking penalties And stuff And staying down And so he calls himself Trell Mitt All the time And he changed his Instagram And started like Doing like videos Calling himself Trell Milk Yeah nice No I think he's um, Massively underrated And he He has a similar effect On Souths As Tommy Turbo does on Manly. He's top three in the game. And yet, he's that good. And like the people, the other argument you get from people is like, his running meters aren't anywhere near like everyone else, but that's not his game. And that also, I reckon, running meters for a non-forward is the most overrated stat in football. It depends on the team. For Penrith, no. But for the Bunnies, who are like, they're the best team at like finishing sets off. They're not a... Tavita Totola ran for 175 metres on the weekend. Mm. They don't need some scrawny winger running 250 metres for him. No. They don't need it. They've so got one of the Trell, biggest, fiercest packs in the country. When Troll runs 70 metres but has three try sets and a couple of like six line breaks and a try. So what did he run for on the weekend? Just stall spit. for a little bit and I'm going to look up. No, I don't reckon so it was I'll, spit. So we'll talk it about was more than 100 metres, wasn't it? Do you know who, how many re, uh, run metres Reed Marnie had in the first half? Like four? Less. Zero? Yes. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Unless you're... Uh, I reckon unless you're a second rower... Maybe a second lock, rower. If, unless you're playing... like Unless you're one of the forwards. So well, the props, second row or lock. It's forwards I reckon, and wingers. I reckon the running meters are so overrated, dude. It the, doesn't matter. The wingers, yes. Getting out of your own end off the off the kicks. But that's about it. Because if, if they've got low running meters, they're probably not getting kicks on the forward. They're so, getting pinned in their bottom 10. Let, you're right. Latrell's actual running meters... 66. How many try assists? How many line breaks? But he had one try assist, three tackle breaks, a line break, a line break assist, an offload. Only made two tackles, but that's his job. He's a fullback. And one kick for 17 metres. But it just, it will never say... And, and I mean, that wasn't his best game, to be and fair. And he hasn't missed a conversion in the entire finals. 19 straight he's kicked. Mm. He's ma- and seriously, look, if you're looking at fullbacks in the comp, it's... Teddy's the best fullback in the comp. Then Turbo. Then Turbo. And then Latrell. And to be third behind them two, that's elite. Yeah. Because Tedesco, they're talking about, like, he's the best player in football at the moment across the park, anywhere. And he's ahead of Papenhausen. And Turbo had maybe one of the best individual seasons of all time last year. I would say the best. Yeah. So to be, like, and, and to say that he has a similar impact on his team than Turbo, where... I tipped Manly to come second this year and I actually think they would have finished second barring injuries and they 
lost Turbo to injury early, and they finished 11th. That's the kind of impact that he would have made. South were on the same path. They were coming like 10th or 11th after those 10 rounds that Trell missed, comes back, and they finished in the, in the eight. Just, they, they finished, what did they finish, seventh? Who? South? South, yes. They're now in a prelim final. And I reckon if there's one team in the comp that can beat Penrith, it's Souths. This is the grand Ooh. final. This is the grand final this week. Nah. Yeah. We'll we'll beat Penrith. No. You guys won't get you you guys won't get through. You don't reckon we'll beat the Cowboys? No. I think you're wrong. No. Have you seen the Eels record in Townsville? Shit. Since the year two thousand, they've played sixteen games in Townsville. How many do you reckon they've won? Two. So they've won two games. Two out of 16. The last time Eels had like such a... This is getting off topic now, but last time the Eels... Oh, went, by the way, anyone who hasn't picked up, we're into general sport. Yeah, my last overrated underrated sucked, so we'll just fuck it off. I had one more too, but we're into general sport now. Might as well. What a segue. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Parramatta, last time we were this good through the regular season was 2005 when Tim Smith broke the record for tri-sits. Yep. And guess who we lost to in the prelim? Or the semi... Tim Smith. Cowboys. Oh, who you lost to. Yeah, yeah. Lost to the Cowboys. And yeah. we were like heavy dog favourites. So and it'll happen again. The Cowboys, I don't know what the odds are, but... They're the seventy. Cowboys? Yeah. That's probably fair money, I reckon. I think it's fair money too. But I They'll still, win. I still... Mm, I don't know, man. going to be a hell of a battle though. I was actually looking at the two team sheets today and I you, you couldn't say that either team has an overwhelming advantage anywhere. No, I think the backs are slightly better at North Queensland. No, I think our four pack is slightly better. I'd agree. Oh, I think it's not much. Yeah, I think the halves are pretty close to dead even. I'd give us a slight advantage. No, I agree, and I reckon. But I think Chad and Moses are so different, whereas Din and Dillbags are pretty similar. Yeah, both tenacious defenders, small guys Slick. who have no oh, issue dude, attacking the line. Dylan Brown's not small. He's six one. No, 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 but. You know what I mean? Like smaller, like yeah. slant, not Matt, not he's big not, guys. He's not a Josh Reynolds. Six. And he's not. A, he's not a. Or yeah, and he's not Ben Hunt or anything like that. It's just like stocky and nuggety. These guys are like they're slender, they're Hopkins. quick. They're trying to like break you their way through the line, which is you know, which is exactly their role when you've got a seven like Chad or Mitch mm. Moses who just control and orchestrate the game. So, so well. I've been begging for the Cardi party to get put in our bench, Bryce Cartwright and. At the expense of Jake Arthur, and we did, except Jake Arthur's still on the bench. So we just dropped a prop for a Bryce Cartwright. Yeah, who's out? Uh, Makeshi Makatoa. Why injury? That sucks. Yeah, um, he played. He played quite well last week, didn't he? I think. I think. Oh it, no, that was Niakore. Yeah, Miranda Niakore. So I think it's an injury, but it may not be. But Tom Alvarez got picked, and he's still got a hamstring strain. So what I reckon, what I think is going to happen is Nia Corey is going to come off the bench and play centre, like he does for New Zealand. Handy. Yeah. And then we'll, I think Makatoa will come back onto the bench. At the expense of Alpacek. Yeah. Yeah. If he fails his fitness test. Yeah. And then that's sure. There's a few injury clouds coming up this week. So then we've got a gun defender at centre at least, because Cowboys centres are freaks. Peter Hiku is a beast in defence. And Valentine Holmes, out of nowhere, has turned into one of the best defensive centres in the comp. Here's him. Like... Oh man, he's been so good. So, um, but in the other game as well, the Rabbitohs have got a few uh, a few injury right, concerns of their own. I don't think they get through. So they Hub- lost to Vita 
No. No, not Tafiti, the other one. Uh, Havili. Havili. He's to a, a calf beast, strain. bro. Um, off the bench, he's been massive for them this year. And they really don't have anyone on the bench that can match that. Jed Cartwright's come on for him. Yep. But he's uh, not he, bad. Yeah, he's not, but he's not Havili. Havili's been really good. Yeah. Just like Nuggety kind of go off the bench, just gives you everything. So he's been so good. Who you got? Um, no, I, oh, man. You'd be silly to tip against the Panthers. So I'm right? going Penrith 13 plus into Eels 1 or 12. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. I think Penrith do get up. But, man, I cannot wait to watch this game. It's going to be cracker. This crack is up. going to be sick. Um, Alex Johnson also under a bit of an injury cloud. He'll play. So, groin, slight groin strain. Uh, that, or that a duct strain. No, it's not. It's hip flexor. Hip flexor. Me. He did it two weeks ago. Yeah. And he played through it all yep. weekend. So, and I was looking at a, uh, a thing popped up yesterday. So there's only been five instances in NRL history where one player has scored 30 tries in a season. Has five it, times. Hasn't Mel Masri? No, five times. A couple of blokes and no one has done it post-1956. Oh, Jesus. Except for Alex Johnson, who's done it two years in a row. So how is it and like he's never played a game of rep footy in his life. Never played Origin, never played for Australia. Pardon me, he's played international footy, but he plays for PNG. The Cools. He plays for the Cools. So how is it that a guy who is never never has been and never will be considered a superstar of this game been so successful? I'll tell you. Go Cody on. Walker. And Latrell Mitchell both played on the left. But there's been plenty of quality wingers who haven't had the kind of success that he's had. He's fifth all-time in tries. He made his debut in 2014. Mm. Yeah, he, it's, he, it's, this is this is his ninth season. Bro, it's literally Cody Walker. It is just absolutely ridiculous, man. There's been plenty of guys who have played Adam outside Reynolds, of good and, halves. And he had Adam Reynolds. Yep. And I, the, I know... The Bunnies I know, have just been so good down the left because before Latrell, it was Greg Inglis. Yeah. And I suppose and before Alex Johnson, I suppose that Nathan Merritt. Yep. Up the left. So, I don't know. I just think it is just... It, it, just this one of these freak statistical and outliers. And John Sutton used to play down the left form as well. Yeah, but it's just a like, it's like Adam Voges, right? Just a complete statistical outlier. Like you look at Alex Johnson and you see how he plays, mm. and you're just like, yeah, he's good. Like he's a very, very good NRL player. And you look at Adam Voges and you're like, yeah, he's a very good cricketer. Is he better than everyone else who's never averaged 63 in Test cricket? Fuck no. Yeah. But he's just like had one of these freak purple patches that. Well, in 50 years' time, he's going to be the unanswerable trivia question. Yeah. Right? Alex Johnson will be the same thing. In 30 years' time, no one will know who Alex Johnson is. No one. Except for us. Except for us who were there watching it, frothing over it. And you just and seriously, we sit at home, there's only three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and Alex Johnson getting over for meat pies. Bro, I bet on him a couple of games ago for an ATS. Didn't get over. Mate. Against the Roosters. Ah, oh, come on, bro. You just got on, got on him the wrong on the wrong week. That's why he did the score because you put money on him. Yeah, I can't I can't do that to my boy. Yeah, so his mate, t- his TikTok is also a worthy shout out, dude. He's a freak, I, and I actually you know, still just baffles me that he's like he just blows everyone away in the try scoring scenes, and he's fifth all time. Fifth. Now, last if he has if he has a decent year next year, he'll yeah. finish the year third, and if he has a decent year the year after that, he'll be first. Past Ken Irvine. 212. So he's on 156 or something now. Irvine's either 212 or 212. He is 212. 212. 
So you got 212 less, say, 256, which is what he's on now. So it's 56 tries. Three years. The one's 28 a season for two seasons. I'll give him three. Just he's gone 31 and 30. In case he has a lean year. Yeah, and only scores 23. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so you'd think in two and a half seasons he'll go past him. And that'll only be his 11th, 12th season. That's hectic, eh? Ridiculous, man. And I know the game is set up nowadays for more points being scored. But, I mean, there's plenty of good wingers that have been in this era too. Daniel Tupo being one of them, mm. who's played in... And um, East have been good forever, right? Last 10, 15 years since he's been playing. Or Tower, I think he might have made his debut in 2011, 2012. Yeah. So, say, 11 seasons. They've been good in all of those. And he has played 20 more games than Alex Johnston. They've and also he's, had... And, Bre- he's, and he's 20 tries behind him. They've also had Brett Morris to go to, though. Yeah. So they've had a, like another weapon on the other side of the field or mm. inside him, whatever. Whereas Alex Johnson, you're probably right in that, like because um, Isaiah Tass plays inside him. Yeah. No disrespect, but like he's not a world class centre, right? He's solid. He's, he's solid, but he he like Obercheck just runs fucking sick lines. He's a decoy runner. Like Olam does the same thing. Yeah. And because he's running those sick lines, it then creates the space for Johnston if Cody goes out the back or Trell goes out the back. Yeah, so his job is to make tackles and run lines, and that's it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, just thought I'd bring that up because we love watching him play footy at home. We love watching it. It's sick. We're just like, give him the ball. He'll, just, if, um, he'll find a way. He's got an act for it. If Penrith lose on the weekend, what comes out of it for Penrith? Do they just go, huh, sick year? Or is there a bit of a, an aftermath? I don't think Do you know there'd be too much of an aftermath. I reckon they just run it back and go. You know what? We look. They had. They've had a fair bit in the last kind of six or seven weeks. Go against them. They do lose Coruscant and Kickout next year. Yep. Yep. They pick up Luke Garner. Yep. Who is a good pickup? He's not obviously not either of those two, but he's a good pickup, good solid footy player. I reckon they've got enough depth. I don't know about Coruscant. I think that's a bigger loss than they realise. They use Mitch Kenny, and I don't think he's that good. Nah. So, but the kickout thing they'll cover. They've got they've got good depth in their outside, um, like in their edge edge back rowers. So I don't think that'll be like as good a player as he is. They'll cover that. They'll it'll hurt them losing Coruscant. That's a massive loss. Because this is one hundred percent our year for Parramatta. Because we lose Murata near Kore, Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i at this stage, um, Nathan Brown, who for some reason is also just f- apparently just been, dro- face just been dropped. He's been 18th man for the last six weeks. It's yeah. Nepotism, I guess. Um, so, the, yeah, and this is it. So, and then we, and we get Josh Hodgson and Jermaine Hopgood. Yes. <laughs> so, no, this is it. This is premiership or bust for Para. And I don't, I think the way that Penrith have built their roster. They're built, obviously, to be good now, but they're built also to be good in five years. They'll be a dynasty. Yeah. They'll win three of the next six or seven. Fair enough. Yeah. Can't really disagree with you. Yeah. So, sorry, three total. So, including last year. I reckon they'll win three of six. Okay. So, they need so two in the next five for me to, for that to have come true. So, anyway. And I reckon they'll do that because Cleary's not going to leave. Do you want to talk AFL? Uh, yeah, we could talk AFL. Maybe one of the cooler Brownlow counts in a long time. So it's... I don't know, and I, I can never really remember, but I watched it start to finish. Uh, and it was sick. And honestly, it was gripping, actually gripping. Like, I didn't want to 
miss any of the rounds of votes because I was like, this is going to be a sick finish. It was a great, like, and you could kind of tell this year there's a few boys that were just consistently good, and there's other ones that killed it for periods. When it just went hot for eight. Like, Brayshaw was hot as in the middle of the year and then died off towards the end. Lockie Neal was a bit like that. Lockie Neal Lockie Neal like pulled a lot of threes and then a lot of nuns. Yeah. And then my boy took Miller. Pulled pretty consistently throughout the year. And yeah, he was easily what, our best. What was most impressive about him was the fact that he managed, and he, a little bit like Cripps, managed to poll votes even in games where they were getting thumped. There was a couple of games where Gold Coast got thumped by like fifty plus, and he was polling two votes. Yeah, because and just that's everywhere. unreal. And that 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 nearly tells me that he was the best player on the field. All right, so I'm going to go alphabetically through the teams and tell you who I thought was going to be the best for their team. Yep. And I'll let you have a crack as well if you had any opinion on them. Yeah. And see how they went. So we'll start off with Adelaide. Yeah. So we'll, I talked about this off air. So that Keys fella started ben, really well. Ben Keys. Ben Keys. I thought he had enough threes early that he'd take enough because Adelaide weren't that great this year. No. So Tex Walker got 14, Ben Keys 11. Rory Laird surprised me with how little he voted. He had 10. He did rack up a lot of disposals throughout the year, but... I mean, like, if you keep losing it, what does it really count for? Yeah. Um, so, next one, Brisbane. Yeah, Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal, obvious. Picks itself. Hugh McLuggage did pretty well with 14 as well. Yep. Probably cost him the Brownlow. <laughs> <laughs> but you can say that about just about every team, can't you? Carlton. Cripps. Cripps. That was obvious. Sam Walsh had 14 as well. Charlie Curnow, poll okay? 11. Yeah. And he got the Coleman. Yeah. So... Carlton had the Coleman and the Brownlow and still couldn't and make finals. Ninth. Fucking retards. Fuck Carlton. All right, Pies. Pies would have been a hard one to pick. Uh, so I would have... Uh, Jack Crisp. Yep, he got 11. Nick Dacos also got 11. Dugowie, 10. That's awesome, by the way. The Nick Dacos thing. That's mad. It's cool. I think it's the record for the most votes polled by a rookie. Rookie. 19. Don't. Oh, is it? Who got that? He's, no, he's 19. Oh, right. Yeah, no. I thought you meant 19 votes. I was like, no, what? Right. no, no. It's. Yeah. Um, as a rookie, I think that's the most Brownlow votes polled in your rookie year. So that's unreal. All right. Essington next. Uh, that was Zach Merritt. Yep. With 17. I had no opinion. I think. No one was really close to him, was it? Were they? Peter Wright had eight. Yeah, so Darcy no. Parish six. No, well, didn't he? he pulled nineteen or something? Didn't he? he had a, Merit yeah, seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, he came over the wet sail. He got quite a few late. I think. I, I, I honestly, I had no idea. Every Essendon game I watched, they got absolutely thumped. Yeah, but I'm glad Drapes got gold the year. It was, it was so unique. Like I'm, I'm glad it was like. Well, that has to be why he got it because Josh Dacos's goal was way better. Mm-hmm. But just the the uniqueness where Draper. Got the first touch and the last. Because that was off a bounce. Off yep. a centre bounce. It was sick. Yeah. Um, next one. Josh Dacos got robbed there just quietly. I don't think so. Oh, mate. That... Fuck off. That was such a good goal. Dacos. Been, oh, dude. I would have given it to Drapes. Yeah. Fremantle's up next. Yeah, Brayshaw. Yep. Ryan's hot tip at the start of the year, for those that remember, was Brayshaw for the Brownlow at 55s. And was looking good, was just looking quietly. Real good. And he fell off the face of the earth for the last three or four rounds. So yeah. he, he polled 25. Shout out to Will Brody, former Suns player. Gets a go over Fremantle and looks real good. So go the Suns. Yep. Um, and then the rest, Roy Lobb to go fuck himself with his whole contract situation at the moment. Yeah. That's funny as fuck. Did you see that? No, I know that he wants to... He, he wants to move to happy. Melbourne. Yeah. He asked for a trade. And then before he got approval, bought a house in Melbourne. And Freo's gone, no, you can play out your contract. Unlucky. <laughs> anyway, G-Long. 
Uh, I would have tipped Jeremy Cameron to get the most votes for them. Yeah, see, I had no idea of this one. I don't think I would have picked Jeremy Cameron, though, and he got 19. He had a phenomenal year. That is a massive tally for a forward. He's a gun, though. That is a massive tally for someone who's not a midfielder in a midfielder's award, really. Their votes were pretty close. Like, Cam Guthrie was second with 13, and then um, Stewart had nine, Hawkins eight. Yeah, so Tom Stewart wasn't eligible. He must have got suspended. Oh, no, he did. He got suspended for that fucking sickly hit on whoever that was. I remember watching that and going, oh, that's ugly. But he uh, he played really well uh, the other night against Brisbane. Gold, Gold Coast? Yeah, I'll talk Miller. Has to be talking Miller. He had yeah. 27. Noah Renison, 14. Pulled well. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a gun. He's um, the bloke that kicked that goal after the siren, eh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he'll be a freak. Um, so... GWS, bro, it's an ugly poll count. Uh, Kelly? Josh Kelly got 13. Yeah. Toronto next best with six. That's grim. That is very, very grim. Uh, Hawthorne, again, a bit of a grim count, but we, like, they were never going to have a great year. They were quite young. Yeah. John Newcomb got, sorry, 11. Tom Mitchell, nine. That's really about it. Yeah. Melbourne? Yeah, well, I would tip Oliver. To poll the most, but they neither of those boys, him and Petraka. That's fucked up. <laughs> it's so obviously Christian Petraka, it's not fun. Yeah, so him and Petraka were always just gonna take too many votes off one another. Twenty five plays twenty four. Yeah. I love Petraka. He's probably my favourite player at the moment. Forty nine votes between mm-hmm. two blokes. So Melbourne um Melbourne polled the most number of Brownlow votes per game this year with it was about four. So for every game they played this year, on average they polled four out of the six votes. That's wild. That's insane, bro. Well, and Gold Coast was sixth. Mm. Gold Coast polled nearly three and a half Brownlow took, votes per game. It's took an, um, Noah just killing. Yeah. Him. Well, they had four, what, 40 between them. Yeah. So there's nearly two per game. And the rest of them, um, uh, Jared Witts, big bloke, plays in the middle. He got a couple. I'll get it up now. Um, yeah, Witts got four. Lockie Weller, Matt Rowell, four each. Swallow and Ellis had five each. Maybe your child, my boy, got three. Uh, Connor Butterick got two. Shout out. Ex-Hawk. Um, and then, yeah, there's a few other twos and ones as well, but, you know, we're not here to talk about the Suns. Yeah. Um, North. T- <laughs> they had some, someone get eight or something, didn't they? Their top was eight, yeah. The double barrel, Davey, Luke Davies. I don't know how to pronounce the other surname, so I'm yeah. going to bother. Um, yeah, shout out Cameron Zerhart with big three. <laughs> uh, Port Adelaide. So this was... I was never picking Kurt Heyman. I'm not, not really an AFL snuff either. Carl. Carl, sorry, Jesus. So, but he's requested a, not a trade, but he wants to be signed by Hawthorne or something. Niche. Because I think he's a free agent, but he's nominated Hawthorne as where he wants to go or some shit. I don't know. Anyway, and the, and the, the umpires have fucking looked after him because this year there was 10 instances of games in the AFL this year where the player that received the three votes, the three Brownlow votes, didn't get the coach's votes. Didn't get any coaches' votes. At all? None. Wow. Carl Amon had three of them. So three times <laughs> he nine, polled... He polled out of his 15 He points. polled zero votes from the coaches. And the referee and the umpires, referees, whatever they call themselves, gave him nine votes in those three games. That's 60% of his votes for Literally, the yeah. So that was, yeah, just bizarre. Con- um, also, there was a game where St. Kilda got beaten, I think, by the Swans. St. Kilda polled all six votes. Shut up. After losing. It's only the sixth time it's ever happened in Brownlow history. 
How? How could you possibly have the three best players on the field and lose? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Connor Rosie got 14 votes. Only Wines 13. Yeah. Of X Brownlow fame. Um, Richmond. Uh, Dion Prestia. Yeah, Dion Prestia got 19. Tommy Lynch, 14. Shy Bolton, 12. The rest single digits. St. Kilda. Who cares? Cup. Yeah, Jack Steele, 13. Yeah. Brad Crouch, 10. Jackson Clare, 9. Bit going on. Uh, Sydney. Sydney surprised me a little bit, but like. Callum Mills. Callum Mills is a gun. Yeah. He got 20s, didn't he? Low 20s? 21? 20, 21. Yeah. Luke Parker, 16. Chad Warner, 12. I f- like you look at their Brownlow votes and like the points like the amount of votes they receive versus where they finish on the ladder it's a bit of a G up like they're, a, they're I think they're one of those teams that are like they're definitely more of a team than a bunch of individuals that makes sense probably a little bit like Geelong like the really elite of the elite teams because they just they just spread the votes out all over the place like I think Buddy got 8 or 9 yeah Buddy got 8 Isaac Haney 7 Papley 5 that's your forward line yeah so, uh, it's just one of those... And that's what I mean. It's like they played that game against St. Kilda where they won and did not poll a vote. That's so, so funny. I reckon... And you'd find Geelong are the same. There'd be games where Geelong would blow teams out by 60 and they'd only get maybe the three or the two. So, West Coast polled only 15 votes. Yeah, uh, JK with six. And they sit equal 12th of the count as a team with Carla Avon. Yeah. So, it's the lowest team count in the AFL era, I think. That's crazy. 15. Yeah, so JK got two threes, including one in his last game. He kicked eight That's against fair. Adelaide. Um, and one other game where he kicked six, I think. Now the Bulldogs delivered some comedy on TV. Didn't they? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Josh all Dunkley the, topped it with 14. All the boys putting the speedies on. My favourite was Liber. Tom Libertore. <laughs> you just look at him and he's looking real he's fast. He's a fucking mad dog. But yeah, no. They, um, they polled... Okay, I thought like I thought Bont would have won because I love Bont. And well, I'm he's a, their best player by a, a stretch, and I'm a pea brain sized AFL fan, so yeah, no, he's their best player by a stretch. It's just one of those things they they started. They should have been better than how they went this year. Really, they yeah. started poorly and just Dude, they, didn't they couldn't struggle? quite get their shit together. I thought they'd be a lot better. Yeah. So how's um Josh Dunkley want to do? Is it Dunkley that wants to go to Lions? Yeah, and Jack Gungston. So we're talking about this just before with diehard Ryan next door, where what's it going to cost them? Dun- everything. It's going to like all of their draft picks, and it's going to cost them players too. Um, Gungston and Dunkley, plus they've got um, Ashcroft and Fletcher, who will both fa- who will both be father son picks in this next draft, which is going to cost them more again. So Brisbane are going to have to give up the bag to get the four of them. The like everything they've got, is it worth it? I reckon. I reckon it is too. I reckon it is because I mean the uh, picks are picks. Uh, when you're in a premiership window, very rarely you're going to be able to draft guys like in the late rounds that are going to help you at all. So like, fuck it off. I feel like picks in AFL are different to NBA. Probably they're a little bit more ready. I would you'd think NBA no. AFL. AFL yeah I know it's hard to say but like very rarely do you get like a rookie being the best player on a good team in AFL yeah yeah that's fair Matt Rowell yeah, um, yeah that's what I'm saying like on a good team 
when you're playing on a shit team, it's a little bit easier. But like very rarely would you have like a Nick Dacos, for example, where he comes in and makes an immediate impact. It just doesn't happen very often. So I reckon while Brisbane is still very good, they are better off giving up a haul to get... Because apparently this Will Ashcroft fellow apparently is a freak. Freak. So they're better off... They should give up the haul, get Dunkley, get Gungston, and get this Will Ashcroft fella and try and win next year. And make it happen. Make it happen. The window's still open. They've got to make it happen. Okay. Why? What do you reckon? No, I'm genuinely asking... I don't really have a strong opinion either way. Yeah. No, I reckon... I'm going to try and make a uh, make a point to try and get into the AFL next year. Try and care a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's handy living with a Lions snuff. Yeah. So... Should we get Suns memberships? No. No. What about Redcliffe Dolphins memberships? No, because I'm a Broncos fan, but we will definitely be going to... There's only game. two games up there next year. At Redcliffe? Yep. Oh. The rest are at Suncourt. Yeah. What games are at Redcliffe? Oh, we wouldn't know yet. The not not sure yet, out. but there's only two. That's okay. We've got to make sure we go to one. I don't care if it costs me $200 a ticket. It's still no, the hill. Don't care. That is going to be mad. Um, all right. Uh, now, Buddy, after much speculation throughout the year, re-signed on a one-year with Sydney. Thoughts? Good. Oh, I like it. Happy for him. Good on him. I don't know. He probably didn't get the money that he wanted, but I, in the end, I don't think he really cares, to be honest. Have this chat. Yeah. <laughs> I just and, and this is this is what I said. I reckon it would be better for him and his legacy staying in Sydney for another year rather than chasing the cash and finishing thirteenth and being irrelevant in his last year. At least this way he'll be relevant. So that's gonna be sick. because um, he was still a massive factor for Sydney on the weekend. Still going. He's not he's not kicking six and seven a game like he was back in like when he was right at the peak of his powers. But he's still their main target, isn't he? He's their big forward. He's still a freak. He's still a freak, man. Even at 30, whatever he is. So um, Now, and the Cats and the Swans, who will meet in the grand final this weekend. Cats. They've, they've both been in the... Um, no, no. They've both been in the comp since 1897. So they're both foundation clubs. So the Swans, who were South Melbourne, mm-hmm. moved there. 1897. This is the first time that they'll meet in the grand final. That's crazy. Cats 40 plus. And I, my next question was, who's winning and why do you think it's Geelong? <laughs> Cats 40 plus. Yeah, I had, I've had i got Geelong uh, 30 plus, I reckon. Um, so the, the standard betting is 1 to 39 or 40 plus. Oh, shit. In AFL for the Lions. This is what I mean. I'll get to know AFL a bit better. Uh, no, I'll take Cats 1 to 39. It's grand final. Swans will show up. Bruh, I think that they'll show up and lose by thirty three. I think that Ford line of Geelong is going to be outrageous. Well, that yeah, they and are. Did you see how good Dangerfield looked against Brisbane? Uh, actually, outrageous. <laughs> actually, outrageous. This is his year. He'll win the Normie. Big shout, massive shout, big call. I'm calling it. Stengel. He'll win the Normie. Stengel. Nah, he'll win it. So, thirty three touches and two goals. Stengel four plus. Four goals plus. Mm-hmm. One a quarter. Easy. Nah, I don't reckon. Because they'll tag or... Nah. I've got a big Jezza. Didn't have a big game against uh, against Brisbane. Only kicked two. I'm backing him. Four plus. He'll get that bag. Tom Hawkins will get a kick a couple. Stengel will kick a couple. Danger will kick a couple off fucking one foot 50 out. No, mate. He can, if, as long as it's not a set shot. Yeah, that's what I mean. 
Off one foot. Bloke's yeah. free. He'll win the normie. It's his year. He's not one one. It's very narrative betting, but I don't I don't hate it. So and actually I I looked this up today because I was reading a bit about Buddy Franklin. So he's got eight all Australians. That's first all time. Who? Buddy. No one has ever been selected to more all Australian teams than Buddy Franklin. That's crazy. So Gary Ablett is also on eight. And Paddy Dangerfield's on eight. He was, a, he was good at Adelaide as well. Yeah, so Gary Abler did it eight, in a, eight years in a row. So the middle years of his career from 07 to 14 or something, eight years in a row. Half at Geelong and half at Gold Coast. Yeah. Would have won, won a Brownlow both. Definitely won one at Gold Coast. Yeah, I reckon. Surely would have won one Not at sure, but he, when we used to go, I used to go and watch him at Metricon and he was actually everywhere. Yeah, yeah, blokes free. So uh, that's all I got for AFL. That's probably the longest AFL segment we've done, I reckon. Maybe all time. Um, now, quickly on tennis, uh, Roger Federer retires. Sad. Age forty, I think. Forty-one. Goat. Yep. Goat. Mm-hmm. Goat. Goat. Uh, it's pretty sad. Not uh, not surprising though. You'd have to say he's played once he's in a Badger tournament in, in the last couple of years. And a half. Um, so yeah, he's on his knees and everything have just finally given out on him. Um, but what? A career he's had really it's been phenomenal he's just dominated on any surface in any condition just of the big three be my favourite yeah I think so and I think uh, I don't know whether it's his character his personality the way that he plays For me, I just think he's the most like pleasant to watch play I think he just makes everything look so easy he doesn't sweat he's just fucking what a freak I, still, I think it's his versatility for me eh? it doesn't matter which big major like you go to clay like oh well, Rafa's gonna win this and then Roger will snip up every now and then and, then, the, on the, and then on the um, that not the hard court but like grass no not grass not hard court but like it's that weird it's not really a hard court it's that weird material like the Australian Open and stuff that's Novak's area yeah Roger's still sniffing around and then grass Roger's just unbelievable. That, Un- that one-handed backhand he hits is just so, so like appealing. There's to just watch. not a weakness in his game at all. Like you cannot He's, point to anywhere in his game and think, "Oh, he was great, but this wasn't great." Like, what do you mean? Like, there's not that backhand is sick, and there's you cannot tell me that any kid who follows tennis who is under the age of twenty hasn't tried it. Hasn't tried it because of him. I don't know that you can say that about many other tennis players, mm. but if you've tried the one-handed backhand, it is because you've watched Roger Federer play on TV, and that is not something to sniff your nose at. In yeah. a game... Don't lie. <laughs> in a, yeah, in an individual sport where, like, you know, it, it can look very simple, and a lot of people... Like, it's very technical, so a lot of people technically are quite similar. He He's really the last great to play with the one-handed backhand. It's fucking mad. Mm-hmm. I love it. And so, sad days. Never seen him play again. Sucks. You got something for the golf? Yep. Time Cam to, Smith? It's time to live it up, baby. Live it up. Cam Smith. He nearly won this first tournament that um, DJ... DJ? One of the other big dogs took it out. And I was having a fair few drunk arguments with Fridge in particular and a couple others as well down in Melbourne. Um about pro live golf and they think it sucks because there's no like legacy and stuff but I genuinely think if you did a live golf versus PGA Tour right now live golf wins 
Yeah. So Cam Cam won his second or third tournament, four million dollar US purse. Yep. It's pretty handy. Yeah. In Chicago? Of, couldn't tell you. I feel like it was Chicago. But some of the shots he was striping was sick. Like he was hitting like five irons to like three feet and just tapping it in. I'm like, bruh, this guy is just too cool with it. Yeah. So Good to see, yeah. and he's he's racked up like uh, over eleven million dollars in winnings just over just in the four tournaments, the four big ones that he's won. It's over eleven million bucks. So, my favorite thing about him and Leishman going to live is they're going to try and get four tournaments out here every year in Australia, which is three to four more than the PGA do. Wow, that'd be and sick. So I never understand why the Aussies Aussie fans go, nah, PGA is so much better. What's PGA done for Australian golf? Zip. I assume. Seriously, the Australian Open that, that they play is cool, but you never get a full-strength tournament. Like, they played at Royal Pines, and you get, like, your blow-in PGA plays, some of your Corn Ferry plays, and the internationals from the DP World Tour and the European Tour. And it's still a quality field because, like, a lot of the Aussies and stuff play. But you don't get your Tiger Woods at Royal Pines Resort. What's the PGA done about that in the last 20 years? Fuck all. Yeah. Nothing. Live if it's on. All the big boys are here. Dustin Johnson, Bryson, Cam Smith. Like, get him here. Get him here. And get him around Australia. Yeah. Because people turn up for that. 100%. Guaranteed. Royal Sydney, Royal Melbourne. Like, Bonville's an unbelievable course. It's in the middle of nowhere, but... Yeah. Go to WA. I'm sure there's some nice courses in that beautiful part of the world. Surely. They've got plenty of space. Live Golf is doing more good things than the haters like to acknowledge. Yeah, and that's always going to happen though, isn't it? Any time that there's any kind of rebel type tour, it's always going to end up being good for everyone involved. Some people are just slower on the uptake than others, I suppose. Yes. That's kind of how you got to look at it. So, it's got to be good for the game of golf. has to be. Yeah, I think there's too many positives in it. So, I anyway. I don't think they're going away very quickly either. Now, also, one of the highlights, I want to just circle back to the Brownlow night. One of the highlights is seeing Dane Swan take over the Sportsbet Twitter account. And every I, uh, year. Every year. And I screenshotted one of his tweets at the end of the night, which I thought was elite. And he tweets, I hope they've got two medals ready. One for Cripps and one for his lawyer. Yeah. Which is fair, uh, because this is all—it's all blown back up in the media. Because Gil McLaughlin came out at the time and said, "I've made it very clear to everyone and to the board that I wasn't happy with the decision. The decision being the overturning of Cripps's ban. So, and it should have been rubbed out for two matches, which would have canned him canned from the Brownlow votes. So then, Lockie Neal wins, goes back to back. Yeah, would have only been uh, would have been the first player since the '90s, I think, to go back to back. So anyway, it doesn't matter more. whoever won that brown loan then, someone had an asterisk. Back then, you reckon? No, like now. Like between Neil and Cripps, whoever won it this year, there's always going to be like an asterisk next to it. Yeah, I suppose. Well, not really. There would Wasn't there a year that Paddy Dangerfield got rubbed out and he would have won it? Not that long ago? I reckon, I dead set reckon he polled 30 votes one year and got rubbed out because he was suspended the last two rounds. For a similar thing, I reckon. I'd have to look that up. But anyway, I thought that was quite funny. And he doesn't miss very often. Sportsbet don't miss on their social media. And Dane Swan doesn't miss on their social media either. Or ever, I reckon. Nah. Seems like... And he, he had a busted leg too. He was hobbling around in a 
like a knee he's been playing like a chair, wheelchair thing oh has he yeah. oh yeah he's done it then he's doing an interview and that's he had to like he had to put a he had to put a Friday beer band on the team he was playing with doing bags and kicking snags no because the rest of them were and they weren't backing it up <laughs> yeah because he's like oh, I can do it but you blokes can't yeah oh, I've experienced at this done it my whole life so anyway uh, that's all I've got for general sport this week yeah I've got, I've got, my got anything else to add you got any cool stories from Melbourne um look not really who the fuck is that guy <laughs> oh yeah, no, we are staying at my friend's place. She's going to hate that I'm telling the story again, but don't really care. She's, um, someone, some bloke asked her nicely. So she, she obliged. She, I think she follows the same principles that I do, where if someone asks you nicely to do the no pants dance, it's pretty hard to say no. Pretty hard? Pretty hard. Pun intended? No. Just don't it's give disappointing. Me, no, well, I'm just not that good, and I'm honest about it, so... <laughs> Um, anyway, so there's a few of us sitting in there and her, her lucky man walks in, looks at everyone, looks away, ignores everyone's presence, sits down next to all of us with his back against the wall and goes, who the fuck are these cunts? Classy. That. Nice to meet you too. Is a bold play. That is a massive bold play. I don't know if it's the right one. I thought it was pretty funny, but everyone else in the room didn't, so I had to hold my laughter. Kind of like at your wedding when your grandfather was sinking in the sand. <laughs> I don't know that anyone was holding their laughter in that day. I was trying. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Harry said he looked up and you and Dave were just about in tears. I did cry. <laughs> but yeah, what do you oh, think that's of that? cute. You cried at my wedding. Not for the right reasons. <laughs> just like when uh, the celebrant told you to s- just slip it on. In? In? What, on? what are the words? I think... I, feel, I don't know. I feel like she just said, now Jack. You I slipped it on during the day and then slipped it in that night time. What did you? To get your best work in? No, because I was pissed as. Oh, fuck yeah. Wouldn't have been my best work. <laughs> Did it feel like your best work though? Oh, yeah. Oh, at the time, it always feels like your best work. You could have been laying wood for hours though because you were that drunk. Probably. Oh, man. Nah, it wouldn't have been that long. It was a while though. Definitely longer than normal. <laughs> I was fucked by the end of it. Yeah. Absolutely gassed. I'm surprised she wanted to do you when you were covered in red. No, nah, I was only really on my shirt and in my hair. <laughs> I woke up the next morning and part of the, the pillow was tinged with red because I had red wine all through my hair. What's left of it? So, sorry. I, sorry, I should say I had red wine on my scalp. That's from your brother. Yeah. He yep. walked up behind you and I was talking to, talking to you and he just tipped it on you. Yeah, and i tell you what. For anyone who was part of the bet that said which liquors had had their clothes off first, everyone would have had money on Harry and everyone would have lost. <laughs> yeah, because Sam had his kid off. Early. Early. Real, I don't know what it has to be the wine. It's got to be the wine because you can seriously smash a bottle of wine without thinking about it. Yeah, and then and it takes you to a fancy place. I call it horny juice, and he now calls it horny juice because I'm right. So it takes you to a different place. You get a massive head rush, and you turn into a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, works. (laughs) I got nothing else for you. You got anything else? Not, not particularly witty. Excellent. Right, well, guys, thank you for joining us again. Uh, if you want to hit us up on social media, find us on Instagram at Armchair Critics. Actually, there is one. Messages or uh, email us at armchaircritics at outlook.com. Gus confirmed something for me between the last episode and this one. Oh, go on. I was convinced Alex Hales was gay. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not, is he? I thought he was gay, and I was like adamant about it. 
And I was like, maybe that's why he's left out of the team because the whole Ben Stokes thing. No. I don't know what I was smoking, but if it's assuming Gus reckons he's got a missus. Yeah, no, I think it had something to do with that fight. I assume that he had something to do with that fight that then cost Ben Stokes 12 months of his cricket career. Yeah, okay. But that is me absolutely making that up. That's just the vibe that I got because Joss Butler had to come out Going all the way back to cricket, for those still listening, um, Joss Butler had to come out after Hales was named in the squad as Bairstow's replacement. And he said in there that they've conf- like they've discussed this with Ben and he's okay with it. And no, they're probably not the best of friends, but I'm sure you all work with work colleagues that you're not best of friends with. So it's just business as usual. Great answer. I totally agree with it, but that's what gives me that. Feel. Where? Mate, my game meter goes off my brain when I look at Alex Hales on TV. Really? Yeah. Nah. Nah, I don't get that. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> guys, thank you for listening. It's been another fantastic episode. Sean, flawless as usual, mate. Thank you. Thanks Flawless. for coming home from Melbourne. Flawless is not the word. Oh, flawless is the word. What would you rather call it? Lies. No, nah, it's not all lies. We try and tell the truth. Sometimes the story gets in the way. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Righto, guys. Thanks for joining us and we will catch you next week.